0: We're coming to a, a brand new study. That's an old study. Uh, we've been going through the, the the first letter that Peter wrote, and uh, what an encouraging letter that has been. And and we embark on the journey through his second letter. That he wrote. And um, what, what an exciting process this is going to be. Uh, this is now my second time preaching through uh, this second letter. And, and I got to tell you, I am just as excited now, maybe even more than the first time. What, what an exciting letter. And as we come to this, we see Peter has come a long, long way. From the time that we saw him in his denial of of Christ that evening or the conversation that he had with Jesus on the seashore many, many years ago. Peter is old. He's wiser. Peter... As we, as we go through this letter, we will see he is more focused and passionate than ever before. I mean, think about this man. He is one who has been tempered by time. It's really fun to, to open up the pages of Scripture and, and set aside for the moment that, that these people are in the Bible. And to actually take time to remember that these people were (gasps) people. Peter was, was a man. Peter as a disciple was a young man. I look back when I was a younger man. I'm still a young man compared to many, but a younger man. And I will tell you, I am so grateful for the wisdom of God not to let me do certain things in ministry. Oh, what a disaster that would have been. And we have watched Peter as he has gone from being that young disciple with Jesus. And you can almost look at these things in Scripture pertaining to him and see how he has matured through life. Tempered by time. Life has equipped him well for what he is going to write to the church. he's been seasoned in ministry It's always exciting to watch young college graduates as they 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 graduate from from Bible college and seminary they jump into ministry with all the answers And then you put them in ministry for a while and they realize they don't have all the answers But more and more they are willing and able to point people to the scriptures. To the truth of God's word. And this is where we are seeing Peter. And though time has tempered his personality a little. Oh he has done anything but slowed down. He's been pivotal in the building up of the church. A significant leader in in Jerusalem and, and in Asia. In Asia Minor as he has traveled and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with a passion like none other. This fisher of fish has definitely become a fisher of men. And as you look at his life, as you study through Acts, as you read his letters, as you read Galatians, here is a man who was driven by his love for Jesus Christ. And as we look back, who has been faithful in caring for and feeding the Lord's sheep. This is this is the man that is writing the letter that we're going to be looking at. His zeal for the Lord has only grown. His passion is is overwhelming as we read these words. And Second Peter is only a mere three chapters, but it is loaded. It was very applicable for the church of that day. And I believe it's all the more applicable for the church today. As Peter writes this letter, he's drawing very near to his death. Peter was martyred in 67 AD. In fact, as he writes this letter, as he pens it, he's sitting in Rome possibly from a vantage point of being able to see the Colosseum where he himself will be crucified for the message of Jesus Christ. Fully aware of those who have gone before him, martyred for the message. But as he writes, he does not slow down. He does not back down. And he will not be silent. This letter is exciting because as he writes, he is reminding his readers, his audience, to remember the scriptures that have been taught. Remember. He he is telling them that they need to know what God's word says. He is pleading with them to grow deeper in their knowledge of the scriptures. And there is a warning like none other in the second letter of Peter to beware of anything that opposes God's Word. There's an urgency that Peter is is giving as he writes this. I'd encourage you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter. They should be used to 1 Peter, so just turn the page after that last chapter. And we come to the letter of 2 Peter And we begin in chapter 1, verse 1, and it begins this way. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied, to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power is granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Don't you wish you could start letters that way? I mean, that is just a powerful way to start a letter, is it not? Imagine being the church, and that's the introduction. You're like, wow, this is going to be good. You're like, we're not going to stop there. We're just going to keep on reading. And they did. I would encourage you at some point this week, maybe even every day, sit down and just read this letter all the way through three chapters. Well worth it. Peter begins... I'm always curious as, as a student of the scriptures to look at introductions. Especially when an individual writes multiple letters. How are they presenting themselves? How are they introducing who they are as they present this message? And Peter here identifies himself as, as two different things as a bond servant and as an apostle consider this a bond servant who was a slave who had been set free set free but then chooses who makes a choice to willingly serve that individual remember the message in, in the first letter of Peter how Peter boldly and just powerfully declares our freedom in jesus christ through the gospel message peter is one who has been set free yet he willingly is serving jesus christ even in the midst of persecution it's interesting as as peter introduces himself this way though in the first letter, he did not introduce himself as a bondservant. Peter here is, is placing himself at that same level as his readers would, would be. Fellow bondservants serving the Most High. What an amazing thing. But he also introduces himself As an apostle. With that comes authority. An apostle was one who had been commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We have looked at that commissioning that Jesus did there on that beach, even after Peter had denied his lord he is commissioned into this ministry of feeding and caring for for the lord's sheep the body of christ in a very powerful way and everyone who would read this letter would understand that what peter was saying came with the authority of one who held apostleship But not only that, Peter reiterates and understands that what he is giving to the church is Scripture. It is the Word of God that he is giving. The very instructions that the Holy Spirit has placed upon Peter's heart to write and give to the church. And church, that holds authority. What we are looking at in this letter is not only a passionate appeal from, from a man who is serving and ministering to the church, but it is an appeal from God Himself for how the church should live and function and grow. You and I have to understand, as the body of Christ, we are called to grow, to mature. And Peter is going to put forth this message that has come from God himself. The authority of the words that we look at are difficult. They are challenging, yet they are essential for the church today. This is why I'm so excited about this. Peter, as he is writing this letter, this is an audience that he is well familiar with. Maybe not you and I, we're the audience now, but all the audience he wrote to the first time, very familiar with. I would like you to turn to chapter three. In most of your Bibles, that's just one page over. Turn to page, page, no, that won't help you. Chapter three, all right? Chapter three, verses one and two. Listen to what he says. (coughs) This is his audience. This now, beloved. Isn't it cool how he addresses them? Beloved. This now, beloved. The second letter I am writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Consider his audience then and and the audience now. Okay, You're the audience now. The church of today is the audience now. We got that out of the way. Let's look at then. This was the audience of Asia Minor, the churches that are are being persecuted under the rulership of of Nero. In the first letter, Peter writes and encourages them through that persecution to look to Christ and, and model their life after Christ, who himself was persecuted. Who of all people did not deserve it as the very son of God and he encouraged them through that to have peace and grace but even in our persecution church even in the difficult times and days you and I live in difficult times and days do we not? We look around our world on the media and the news, and we see it getting worse and worse and worse. Some of you in here are going through troubles more so than others. That is never an excuse, though, for your growth and maturity to be stagnant. And Peter writes this church who he tried and and did such a beautiful job to encourage and and challenge. Truly, by the end of that letter, they would be able to understand fully the grace and peace that Jesus brings. But notice in this second letter, there is an urgency. Urgency. Peter knows his time is short. Peter understands what is coming upon the church and the dangers. He's writing this letter to rattle their cage. Church, as we look at this letter, as we read through it, and as I hope and pray you read through it this week, I pray that your cage is rattled, that you are awakened to the things that God wants his church to know. And there is a stern warning in this letter against the false doctrine and moral compromise that is encroaching upon the church. Not even a hundred years old, and the church is already experiencing doctrine and moral compromise. It breaks my heart as I look around and I see those who I once looked up to in ministry. Giants in the faith, so to speak, who have compromised to the culture in which they live and turn from the Scriptures, the authority of God's Word. Okay, I'm going to go off on a rabbit trail if I go much further on that. Peter has plenty to say in it. We're going to get there, trust me. But not today. But he writes to warn them. Pay attention, church. He does this by appealing, appealing to them to what they know. Throughout the letter, he appeals to them on their knowledge to remember I want you to sit there and think for just a moment what do you know of God's word not intellectually although I hope you've engaged in it intellectually but know that you have actually made integrated into your life, your heart, your your thinking. What do you know? Peter's audience. The first letter. Look how he identifies them in the first letter. The very first one. And I apologize to the sound booth. I think I threw you guys off. You're like, you didn't see that verse. We'll go back to it. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Listen to what it says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is his first letter, just to remind you, because it's been a few months to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, Bithynia, try to get that one out, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. I mean, he has a way of introducing letters, doesn't he? And here he comes and he's, he's addressing this audience. An audience who is identified as aliens. This is not their home. Church, let me remind you. This is not our home. Don't try to make yourself too comfortable here. We're just passing through. We're aliens. We're ambassadors. We are representing someone far greater than ourselves, far greater than anyone in this world has ever known. Our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who we get to be ambassadors for. We're passing through. I love that he addresses them as brothers and sisters in Christ with the same faith as the kind as ours. He's he's writing them and he says, you guys have the same faith as we have. Isn't that cool? Peter here, a a Jew, an apostle, one of Jesus' disciples, and he's writing to these Gentiles and probably a mix of Gentiles and Jews in the church all over Asia Minor, and he says, your faith is the same as ours. How cool is that? And church, as we place our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You and I enter into that same faith. That's exciting, isn't it? And he's writing to those who have that relationship. He's writing to those who, who can identify that way. If you're here this morning, if you're listening, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, He's not writing to you. You're not going to understand what He's saying. I'd encourage you to read the rest of that introduction in 1 Peter, because man, does He tell you about Jesus Christ. All in that relationship you can have. But the message right now is to those who are in that relationship Peter has a heart for these people. Most of the ones that he's writing to, he could probably picture their face. He, he, has, he has been on his knees in prayer with those individuals. Some of them he probably led to Jesus Christ himself. He has shepherded them, he has fed them, he has cried with them, he's laughed with them. Can you picture Peter laughing? No. Oh, man, I sure can. I mean, really, have you read the Gospels? I mean, Peter probably created more laughs than any of them. I mean, goodness. All the guys laughing, Peter getting out of the boat. He's like, yeah, guys, you know. I mean, I'm sure that brought laughs for a good time. Wouldn't you think? I would. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I just have a warped sense of humor. But throughout this letter, he he calls them beloved these are people that Peter loves he cares about these are people under Roman provinces under Nero Peter as he's written this letter has probably already seen the garden parties that Nero has had where he lit Christians on fire, dipped in tar, to light his garden parties. That's the emperor they're under. Grace and peace. A two-fold concept that he has now mentioned in both letters. In the first letter, you are going to know and understand grace and peace to the fullest. But in this letter, what? It's going to be multiplied. Isn't that amazing? As you and I study this letter that, that Peter is writing to the church The grace that we understand and hold to. The peace that will come and just flood our lives and our hearts, our minds. Can be multiplied. I don't know about you, but I love multiplication. I can multiply things by big numbers. Peter is saying, I want it to be multiplied in you. In your churches." So why is he writing this? Well, Peter has a purpose. First of all, his purpose is to cause them to remember. Peter wants them to remember the things that he has taught in their midst. Peter wants them to grow and mature. As your pastor, let me just say this. Peter's pastor's heart, I can, I can understand. I want you to grow. I want you to remember some of the things that you have been taught. It's interesting. Some have actually said, this is great. I've never heard a sermon on Second Peter before. That is discouraging because I've preached through this before here. And some of those people were here before me that's okay, it's fresh. And you know what? Like I told Mark, Mark was like, man, Nathan stole a bunch of my thunder. I'm like, well, you know what? One of the best teachers is repetition. Repetition. We'll get to that in just a minute. But there's a clear purpose seen in in both this this opening and his closing statements that Peter gives. He's very clear on what he wants them to know. The words spoken. Think about that. Peter is saying, I want you to understand the scriptures of the words spoken by the prophets. Hey, Old Testament. Genesis was great, wasn't it? He says, I want you to understand the things that Jesus Christ himself said. Gospels, right there. In red, depending on your version of the Bible. Mine, Mine has red. Read Revelation, there's some red ink in there too. Pretty cool. And then he says, and by spoken by the apostles. Well, let's just get the rest of the New Testament in there, shall we? Yay! Yay! Absolutely! Thank you! Somebody's excited about this! Man! I'm, wake up, folks! Essentially, Peter's saying, listen, I want you to grow. I want you to mature. I want you to remember God's Word. Yay! I like that. That's good. All right. We're going to do this by remembering Scripture. And Peter's going to challenge you to it. I I love this. Yay. Man, why didn't I have that in my notes? Man. All right. I, I I want you to turn to to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3:16. Oh, I love this passage. Some of you already know the passage I'm going to share. Paul as he's writing Timothy, one of his his mentees, Ah, oh, his son in the faith. He writes to him and he says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Amen. You go over to Ephesians, and Paul is writing to the Ephesians and sharing about his responsibility. And guess what? It gives a responsibility for your pastor here. Listen to what it says. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and he gave some as apostles. Peter, Paul, John. These guys were apostles, and we have letters from them, from, given to us as the very word of God. Some as apostles. Some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Here is why God gave you those. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. You want to know your pastor's job description? Right there. Mark it down. I am to equip you I am to teach you and, and prepare you for the work of service. That's really encouraging to me because you know what? There's a whole lot more work to be done than one pastor can do. And what a glorious thing that we all get to be drawn into what God is doing. To have the privilege of being called a bond servant, one who is serving God willingly and, and with passion. to equip church each week I get up here and I share from my heart not my thoughts but this it's not my ideas or my thoughts that are going to equip you if there are any that are of worthwhile, that is by the grace of God alone. But it is the Word of God that I preach to you. This, what God's Word says, is what will equip you. And I stand up here week after week. I meet with you, we engage in Sunday school in discussion over God's Word to, in, for the purpose of understanding, having a greater knowledge of God's Word. Why? Because knowledge of His Word is what draws out, which produces maturity in the believer. God doesn't want you and I to be babes in Christ, as the writer of Hebrews mentions. Hebrews mentions that they were still on milk while they should have been chowing down on the stake of God's Word. No longer wavering, tossed to and fro, but steadfast. You want something to stand in that will not change? stand on God's Word. In a world where change is happening way too fast, in every area of life, God's Word remains unchanged. What a purpose. To cause them to remember what God's Word says. Look at, look at what, what Peter's basically going to do. I'll give you a quick overview of the whole book here. Okay, first of all, God, Peter is expecting them to grow in maturity and understanding of God's Word. He's going to do this by greeting us with expectations. As we look at the introduction, as as we look at what Peter is expecting, there there is expectation of growth. I look out, I expect you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. To mature. That's verses 1 through 3. In verses 4 through 21, we are going to see that it is the believer's personal responsibility to to grow spiritually and mature. Yes, I am to equip you, but you have a responsibility. And it falls back on you as well. In chapter 2, oh chapter 2 is powerful. In verses 1 through 22... The entire chapter, Peter is going to designate a a warning and, and demonstrating for us how our maturity in Christ, our maturity in understanding the Scripture is what guards against false teaching, against false teachers. And there are false teachers everywhere, church. Those who teach opinion, those who teach to culture, those who teach to the news, rather than the word of God chapter 3 Peter directs our attention as we mature in our understanding and grow in our relationship with him we, we look to the promise return what hope that brings when we look and remember that Jesus Christ himself will one day return. And there is a powerful ending. And I'm going to actually end with two sermons, two verses each. This, the closing of this, of this book is just fascinating. But he gives instruction, final instructions, as if these are the last words the church will hear from him. Which in written form they probably were. For them to grow and mature. Peter has a purpose. He has a plan. He's laid it out. Right out of the gates he expects them to grow. Church, I want you to grow as we go through this letter. I expect you to mature in your relationship with Jesus Christ. That is your expect or the expectation of your pastor. And I want to help you along the way. I want the grace and peace that God is giving us through that to be multiplied in your life over and over. Peter writes This power has granted us everything. The power of God's word has granted us everything for life and godliness. Through what? The knowledge. The true knowledge. Do you realize that in this letter alone, three chapters over 23 times... That's a lot, by the way, for three chapters. Over 23 times, Peter references, remember, know, knowledge, the things that we are studying. It's important. And I don't want us as a church to be mentally lazy. And I know many have actually come in recent months and and told me pastor i am so glad that you are passionate about studying god's word i am so glad that you actually dive in and dig in and study and read and and share i am too i mean it's exciting i'm not asking you to pick up god's word and and slice it apart look at the original languages and all of that I'm asking you to know it how many of you I I want hands right now if I asked you to sing the words to the Brady Bunch could actually sing along with that song some of the kids are going what Brady Bunch what about Gilligan's Island oh man even more right there right okay all right, what about Happy Days? Oh, you could sing along with Happy Days too? Beverly Hillbillies? That is a song I am sick of. Oh my goodness. It's interesting, I bet you none of you printed out the words, sat down and memorized those, did you? Anybody do that? <laughs> Nobody's going to raise their hand on that one. Repetition. Repetition. How many of you right now could quote John 3.16? Which translation? Wait, no. Um, (laughs) I get so messed up with that one. I've memorized it in so many different translations. You know, there's certain passages I could probably start to say, and you could even finish them that you have not committed to memory, but you have heard them so many times. You know them. Is God's Word that familiar to you? Have you read it enough that in an instant you understand what God would want you to do because you have read it. You have listened to it. Oh, man, there are some amazing apps out there, church, free, that you can listen to God's Word. Such a blessing. But are you familiar with it? I did this the first time I preached it, and I assume since I did it the first time, everybody has this memorized, because you never forget, right? First time I preached through this, I said, let's memorize a portion of 2 Peter. It's the last verses, and I want to close my message with these verses as Peter closed out his letter. But I would encourage you, and know there won't be a test other than the life that you live day in and day out, but I would encourage you to read these so often and frequently that these words become memorized I'd ask you right now to stand up if you're able and I'd like you to read these words with me as we close our letter of 2nd Peter in this opening you therefore beloved knowing this beforehand Be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are looking forward to our study of this.